0: Going out life out here. What the hell's going on out here? It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, that's the Diddy NFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And its training camp is in full swing, but it seems to be all top secret. So, the reporters I see are saying stuff like, Josh DeGore is practicing, but I can't tell you who with who, but all I can tell you is, eh. So, obviously, the national security depends on what goes on in Packers camp. Now, what I'd like to do is, is I'd like to reach out to some Lions and Bears and Vikings uh, beat writers, get them on the show, and do kind of an NFC North roundup, because it's very easy to get carried away with your own team, and... If any of the training camp practice reports or anything to go by, um, were, as I said last week, I mean, it's going to be nailed on. You know, Super Bowl, nailed on. Uh, going to win because uh, every player is a world beater. AJ Dillon, he's only come into the league with Barry Saunders. That's all I'm saying. Barry Saunders, uh, Alan Lazard uh, doing really well. um, And, you know, Jerry Rice might look up to him. That's all I'm saying from looking at the training camp reports. <laughs> but uh, all joking aside uh, what I'll do is the same as last week I'm going to run through the various days uh, and we'll discuss together let's take a walk down uh, training camp road and we'll discuss who's standing out who's not standing out and again what I will say a bit of caveat let's take all the stuff uh, with a pinch of salt so I want to get into some news stories some sort of overarching observations and then get into some non news stories because you know The problem with this is, is that we have the official dudes, uh, good buddy old pals, Wes Hodkowitz and Mike Spofford had them on the podcast a good few times now. Um, You know, we've got uh, the other guys there like Aaron Nagler and uh, Andy Herman and Zach Cruz and all these other fellas, Matt Schneidman and all that. And that's the other thing. Um, There's a reporter, Doherty. Saying his own name wrong, Doherty. Anyway, um, so we've got all those boys in, but usually we get you know feedback from fans, um, and people that go to to watch training camp. Obviously, that's not happened this year, so the only thing that we can rely on is the reporters that are there and depending on their leaning or what story that they want um, you'll get certain stories coming out one thing that's kind of it, it's sort of perked up the ears i would say pricked up the ears but uh, anytime i say his ears pricked up uh, then i get some weird messages so um and i've said it anyway so tim williams his name comes up depending on who you talk to it's a non-story some people say um I sound like, goddamn it. I sound like Donald Trump. People say, but yeah, let's talk online about him. Now, this is a guy who came from the Ravens, hugely touted by the Smiths. Both of them name-dropped him and, and said how great he was. He's making some plays. Now, depending on what hype you want to listen to, uh, some of them are, you know, that he's he's standing out. He's making a real name for himself. He's going to solidify that spot uh, now that Colin Farkel's gone. Um, but, of course, the other player that's really stood out as well is Rashawn Gary. And I see Mike Smith come out and said, you know, this is a guy with his physical attributes and his work rate. And he hasn't seen a guy like him fail in the NFL. And certainly from some of the reports, and we'll get into it now in a second, the the one-on-one stuff, we see Gary putting in a good performance. Now, I will hold judgment until we see it on the field, but certainly, you know, um, I'm not one of these negative guys who look, oh, everything's really bad, right? So um, I'm excited to see him um, and judge him on on the, the upcoming year. Now, do I think the full season will go ahead? No. I think what will end up happening is, is that there'll be a massive outburst of COVID and we're not going to see it. And that's not me being sort of, a, you know, a negative Nelly here. All right. Um, but I do think that's going to happen because Mason Crosby got the COVID. Now, he said that after he came back from getting COVID that he's actually, he's the best he's ever been. So I don't know whether we want to just go and let all of the Packers team get it. um, Isolate, come back like Superman. I don't know. Uh, but certainly he feels um super confident but yeah Tim Williams name flying around another thing that struck me as well and I'm glad someone else said it that there's another body language expert out there um, in the Packer fandom is that Matt LaFleur is looking more confident on camera uh, he's emotional he's honest but he doesn't seem as jittery to me he seems like he's got his uh, things about him and I always wondered that you know because even in his original sort of press conference he seemed kind of uh, he'd speak slowly um, he'd sort of stutter a little bit. Whereas I, I do feel the same, and I'm glad someone else says it. Maybe there's only two people on the whole planet that think this is the case or even care. But it's great to see him. Um, he's also looking very like Colin Farrell. That's all I'm saying. Um, but one of the stories for camp for me is, and again, I'll get into the tropes and the BS stories that I've seen, and I'm just like, oh, geez, that's not a story. But one of the ones is, is that there's veteran players that are standing out you know, Aaron Rodgers is on point and accurate. Now, I do have in my notes here in the non-news stories section is that there's all this talk about Aaron Rodgers being extra accurate and I'm banging balls into nets. But, like, go to every single training camp and he'll drop some dimes into nets. It's it's no biggie. Now, a nice touch is, and even he has to be pinching himself, I don't care how great he is or how great he thinks he is even, um is where he's tutoring Jordan Love and he you know, because Jordan Love throws the ball and it smacks off the side of the net and falls down, doesn't go into its little pocket. And Aaron Rodgers gets up and this made the news as well. Uh, and he sort of tutors him and then goes and bangs two into the net. Uh, but yeah, Aaron Rodgers being accurate, it's not really news, sorry. Uh, the videos are nice and I like watching them. They give me warm, fuzzy feelings inside. But Aaron Rodgers being accurate, not a news story. Robert Tanyan's top knot, uh, also not news. Now I do like a good hair related story because I still haven't cut my hair. Um, but my hair story and Robert Tonyan's top knot story is about the same on the news cycle. Who cares? Uh, the other one, Jamal Williams, is excited that uh, A.J. Dillon is here. Now, what I will say is Jamal Williams, he's one of the nicest guys in the NFL. He's always doing his dances and interacting with fans and talking and joking with the media. And I don't know how many sort of little news drops, sort of sound bites thing that I've got off Jamal Williams. He genuinely seems like one of the NFL's uh, nice guys. But they asked him about AJ Dillon, he said he's, you know, great that he's here and he's used to this bringing in talent and it helps the team. But what did you expect him to say? I mean, you know, you don't really get that in sports, do you? Like, oh, what do you think about this guy's coming after your job? Well, you know, I'm glad he's here and we can learn from each other. You know, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in his gaff because he's coming up to a contract year and... If you look at his career trajectory, I mean, you know, him versus Aaron Jones, this Jamal Williams came in before Aaron. He was expected to kind of, I don't know, it's, it's pretty arbitrary, but he was higher up on the depth chart Um, and when he got put in, then got injured, that's when Aaron Jones got his uh, chance and then he performed really, really well. The rest is history. So that's the narrative to Jamal Williams' career. So here he is again coming into a contract year. This is likely his last year in Green Bay. Um, and then A.J. Dillon comes in and is doing the business and again with a caveat I mean he's doing well and he's got big chunky legs and a big fat arse I mean you know that's the that's the short and long of it all um, but yeah not really a new story and I think and here's the other one that Aaron Rodgers isn't just kicking Jordan Love in the balls all day during practice and mean mugging him I mean of course and he's mentoring him of course because it isn't the case where Aaron Rodgers is the kind of disgruntled Quarterback who getting on in years. Now there's enough information out there to look at Aaron Rodgers' numbers and to see a decline, right? And um, but he still is superhuman. He can still do ridiculous things. And there was, you know, you have to add into the factor of McCarthy's last couple of years in tenure and the stories of him rolling these eyes and all of that stuff that you know didn't sort of cover Aaron Rodgers or McCarthy in glory. So there's that whole complexity to it, but. He's still operating from a position of strength. He's still the highest paid player um, for the Packers, obviously. Uh, still chomping into a good bit of their salary cap. He's still the go-to franchise guy. It's not going to be a case that they're going to have, you know, the likes of Alex Smith and then Paddy Mahomes comes in and does the business. Um, And there's a lot to talk about there as well with Jordan Love, I guess, with how he's performing and what the expectations are and how we're supposed to temper them. But look... uh. Aaron Rodgers comes in is nice to Jordan Love by all intents Jordan Love is getting reps uh, he's getting there's some sessions where they literally just say to him right you're running the offence now albeit with the sort of second, third, fourth stringer guys or whatever the second team offence Um, so he's in there doing the business but again he's operating from a position of strength but what I will say um, in Aaron Rodgers' credit is that he's he's been consistent over the years I mean there's the disgruntled lads who come out and say he's a crap leader and you know people like to try delve into his family life without having a rashes of what's going on Um as if you're supposed to get along with your family by default, right? That's not how it works. That's why the phrase is there, that uh, you can pick your friends, you can't pick your family. And um, this isn't me, <laughs> by the way, sort of saying, look, oh, let me tell you a story about my family. My family are great. Um, you know, there's that stuff that goes on there. But we've seen this sort of from teammates of Aaron Rodgers over the years that said he's a super nice guy. He's very, very helpful. But more so that, and I've seen this over the last while, and I've discussed this for a couple of journals when I've had them on the podcast, is that he seems to be enjoying himself a bit more. Um, And we all see it as we mature. I mean, God knows how long I've been doing this goddamn thing. So I'm sure he's known my personality by now. But even for me, I look back at, you know, 20-something-year-old me, uh, in my early 20s and go Jesus I was a completely different person you know kind of more pent up and all that you sort of learn to let stuff go so he's just maturing I guess as he gets older and um, starting to take things less seriously also he's on the back nine of his career let's face it um, even though you know Tom Brady is going to play for forever and um, so I think he's getting used to being able to enjoy it now, uh, which is good to see. so he's goofing around and he's lazing around on the on the field, but the other thing that came out that was interesting though again, it's one of these things it's like the band that comes out that you listen to and then you're happy with them and then everyone just keeps talking about them and then it kind of takes to shine off. so he came out and said that he looked back at two thousand and ten you now it's practice film, so I was sort of thinking, oh, I want to kind of go back and look at two thousand and ten game film and just see, can I see any comparisons, which would be a big project, right? Um, But he said he was looking at practice day from 2010, saw some of the things that he was doing, went out into this year's practice, 10 years later, and decides to implement some of those things and he's in its paying dividends. I mean, you know, there is an awful lot of buzz about his footwork and his accuracy and his attitude and everything else. So I don't, he wouldn't divulge what it was that he saw, but apparently it's making an improvement and you can't like... I don't know whether that's just him, you know, gassing up the media by going back to, you know, a Super Bowl team and, and picking out his performance and saying, I'm back to that now or whatever. Um, You know, it's kind of like Brett Favre saying, oh, I'm going to come back and I'm going to win. You know, maybe it's that whole thing of like, eh, maybe he shouldn't have said that. But it was subtle, you know, and of course, it's the media that blows everything up. But the fact that he said that he saw something, changed it and then went back out again. But... There's an awful lot to to, you know, digest here. The fact that he's coming into the second year in Lafleur's system. There was that whole would he be at loggerheads with LaFleur? That never materialized. LaFleur's more confident. They kinda know where they stand with him. He's more confident in front of the camera. Aaron Rodgers is on the same page. Um they're not being sort of thrown off Keelter by not being able to understand the playbook now. They're doing new installs. So yeah, it's an exciting time and definitely that part of it. Um, is newsworthy. The fact that he's not being an ass to Jordan Love, I don't think is one because there's a totally different um, power dynamic there. Uh, another non-news story I saw as well that Matt LaFleur can football. Uh, I mean, this is, a, you know, a lot of people can. This guy was a quarterback in his past and he's been around football his whole adult life. Now, does that mean you can football? I would say probably, which makes Mitch Trubisky the outlier because he's been doing the same thing and he can't throw football. Um, But... Yeah, look, Matt LaFleur, control football, great. Also, looks like Colin Farrell, we're we're grand. Uh, Zadarius Smith stood out again for me because this was a factor that I was looking at last year. So Zadarius was a leader in the locker room. It's just that perfect storm of bringing in the right players, having hungry enough players, having a new coach and a new system. And all of that can go sideways if the right messages aren't given. But Zadarius Smith came in, was an absolute locker room and... Uh, on the field revelation, and he's coming in again. He gets injured in camp, which we'll get on to uh, later on. So, I mean, this perfect. This podcast is perfect for you if you don't really follow the day-to-day stuff with camp and who's standing out, and you just want, you know, to sort of hoover up all the news. I've done that like last week. I've sort of hoovered up all of the news stories that people are talking about and digested them and um, put them all into one story. But sadari Smith gets injured throughout this throughout this podcast, and uh, but he's still out there and he's still teaching the young guys, which takes massive cojones, or as we say in Ireland, some Lee Roadie, because he's you know he's still a new guy, but he's taken on that leadership role and unabashedly gone out and he's teaching the new guys. So obviously Preston um, is a stalwart now too, super experienced veteran. Uh, but then Rashawn Gary is trying to put in work and showing that dedication, really impressing everybody, not only with his lean-down physique, but also his work rate and his sort of attention to detail, and Zadarius helping him get on with that as well. One of the stories that I would have called kind of a trope, and I was going to call a trope coming into this, uh, was the performance of Tim Boyle. Now, I know it's kind of a, a pardon the language, but we can say this on Irish radio, uh, it's kind of a piss-take story in the sense of, you know, the Tim Boyle laser show and trying to get hashtags going, which I'm loving Wes Hodkowitz's coverage, by the way, because he's so, um he brings that nice bit of humor in. But anyway, um, you know, so Tim Boyle's doing well. It's a good thing because, you know, when it swings around, now do, who cares, right? At the end of the day, it was my initial reaction. It's kind of like we get carried away with these stories the same way with the whole Kumaro stories last year. Um, but it's good to see Tim Boyle doing well in the sense that if A Rod goes down, we might have someone serviceable. Now, his quarterback rating, as I said last week, was through the roof from preseason, but who cares about preseason? But the fact is that the better that Tim Boyle does and the more consistent that he stacks you know, one practice after the other, which apparently every day is coming out and killing it. Uh, Make sure that we don't have to put Jordan Love on the field because according to Matt Schneidman on The Athletic, Uh, He talks about players that are sort of trending up and trending down, and he puts Jordan Love as trending down because he hasn't really impressed in camp, and nothing's really stood out where you're like, oh, he's special. Now, by all intents, and he's a complete outlier, and I'm not making this comparison from the off because that's really unfair, but when you look at the likes of Patrick Mahomes, apparently when they brought him into camp, he was doing stuff from the get-go that people were like, ooh, there's something here with this fella, he's a little bit different. Um, With Jordan Love, there doesn't seem to be any reports from any of the reporters that I read that says that Jordan Love is sort of standing out and they can see that ability. Um, Now, Larry McCarran came out when he did his Three Things video with Mike Spofford. and I think tried to temper the Jordan Love expectation because he starts talking about, you know, not only did he go where he did and not only is he in a small market where all the heat is on him, for one thing, he's had to deal with answering questions from the media um, they're also locking down what the players can and cannot say. For instance, the reporters can't even uh, divulge, say, the Guara, what position group he's working with. So when they're asking these players something, he has to remember uh, not to let out the plot, um, even though the one for Jordan Love would be quite simple. Let's say he's, he's third string on the uh, team, on the roster, depth chart, and he's going to remain third string. Um, but he came out and said, look at the stuff that he's dealing with, the pressure that he's dealing with, also trying to learn the playbook. Um, You know, they're talking about his footwork isn't up to scratch. They're going to have to work on his mechanics as well uh, to make him NFL ready. So he's got all of that stuff going on. And even LaFleur came out and started talking about, you know, overthinking that sometimes you just need to go out and just let rip. So that's easier said than done, especially for LaFleur. It's his system. He knows it inside out. Obviously, he's working with all of his coaches You know, the other quarterbacks, this is their second year in the system. um, And they have, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, Jesus Christ, has NFL experience. But you look at the likes of Tim Boyle. I mean, he's been on the sidelines enough now Um, in that system. He's went through change himself in his career. And then you have Jordan Love, That all this talk about he's the next guy in the franchise and all this kind of stuff. And he's going out there trying to perform as well. It's very, very difficult. Also, he's up against what I would class as a top-caliber defense on an awful lot of those areas. We see Adrian Amos coming down and impressing in camp with interceptions and everything else. And although Love is not really going up against the, the top-tier fellas, sometimes he is. Um, and, you know, we see one that he, he fumbles um, a snap as well. So he's under a lot of pressure. So they have to temper those expectations. But one thing that I really like about this camp is the fact that the veteran players are standing out. You know, Aaron Rodgers is is doing really well. Mason Crosby, by his own admission, is kicking better than he ever has. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers' chemistry is on fire, Um, and he's kicking ass uh, running routes where Jake Kumero did a media session where he said that he always has a plan and a backup plan. Um, So it's good to see the old stock doing well. Also, and I get into sort of the day-by-day on the training camp now, but... One of the really interesting things that I find is is that the players that we need to step up seem to be doing just that in camp. And that's Alan Lazard and MVS. And sort of honourable mention as well to Aaron Jones. He's running some really crisp routes. We see some practices where they get run heavy. Um, and he's definitely still leading the way there. Now, it's what you'd expect. But again, we have Wes Hodkowitz's tweets where he talks about, you know, where it's, you know, a thing of beauty to see him cut the way he does. And find gaps um, so that sharpness is still there which is fantastic to see so we saw last year stories of Jay Kummerow and his greatness and how entertaining that was and the fact that he got out of camp and he's on talking with the media about that he's going to treat it the same and that he has belief in the wide receiver room all of those are kind of non-stories and of course that's what they're going to say you know these guys are high level guys uh, the wide receivers are fantastic but when you put them against other DBs and wide receivers in the league you know you could come in, call into question their what they've put on film or what they're capable of or what the ceiling is now we all have massive expectations for MVS and Lazard and ESB and to a sort of lesser degree Kumaro, but I feel like the real storylines are starting to bleed out now in the sense that Lazard is a professional he's having one-to-ones against the top defensive guys And he's performing well. We see great battles with him and Alexander. We see MVS stacking a couple of days back to back. uh, And I'll talk about that now in a second where, you know, he's getting that chemistry with Aaron Rodgers now. So, you know, really what we're looking for is, is those players to make the step up because through injury or lack of use or getting dominated by other defenses or whatever the reason is, is that we haven't seen some of these players live up to their expectation for the full season. We see MVS make off a, a great start and sort of falls away. Now, he did talk about injuries there um, and we see in Lazard as well, but we see a common trend throughout training camp and again, caveat, it's training camp, right? So you have to temper those expectations. There's one day that we come across uh, in this podcast where they're literally just out jogging around with no pads on. So it's not really a good indicator of what's going on. It's just getting the lads out there, getting them warmed up, uh, getting some plays in. So it's good that these guys are stepping up. Also, we see the likes of... um. The excitement start to bubble around their tight end room with Jay Sternberger there and Bobby um, as well, you know, making some catches. Mercedes Lewis is in the media a lot as well, uh, being a stalwart and the fact that he's coming in and helping that scheme by blocking. So, you know, and I brought up uh, an interview today with Martellus Bennett and Mercedes Lewis. And they're talking about how Green Bay is the worst place to be if you're a tight end but we see the scheme change now where Mercedes Lewis, who's still doing it. And I see what Mason Crosby, like, oh, you're coming back and adding to your legacy. And one of the questions Mercedes Lewis got off the media was like, why are you still doing this? You know, they were saying, look, you have operating at a high level. And they were sort of, you know, uh, giving him plenty of smoke. Um, but they were just asking him, like, you're an old dude now, basically, for a tight end. Why are you still doing it? And he still has the hunger. Um, and he's still got a place in this offense for his blocking ability, which he is fantastic at so you know jace is getting attention robert tonyan's getting attention uh DeGuara as well as getting attention for sort of that sort of you know jack of all trades moniker that's been placed on him um, and aj dylan as well as being nudged in the catch on passes so it seems to be all looking up the system seems to be um coming into focus a bit more as to what we'd expect now dare i say multiple tight end sets uh you know the double triple threats with their running backs where they're catching it in the backfield um, and becoming receivers as well and you know big body guys who are good at blocking and picking up blitzes so we have that as well so it's all starting to come into focus so with that said let's dive into sort of the little things that stood out day by day. So the last time I left it off, I think it was the 18th of August. Um, and with today, when you listen to this podcast, of course, you might be listening to it on a lag. Um, but there was no practice today. So I just felt that this was the perfect day to sort of to finish gathering up what happened yesterday and to sort of bring it some sort of cohesiveness, I hope. Anyway. 19th of August practice lasts for an hour and 23 minutes so what we see is is when it comes especially when it comes to the padded practices you're allowed 90 minutes um, and LaFleur doesn't always use all of that time and he still seems to be very conservative with the way he uses players like veterans so for instance the veterans end up jogging off he keeps the young lads out and he goes full contact later on for some practices which is good to see so stuff gets fairly heated some lads get put on their ass as well but the boxing gloves come out for the 19th of august and i mean that literally so it was good to see that the coaches actually had boxing gloves on for the linebacker drills and they were trying to punch the ball out uh when the linebackers were running along with the ball to sort of uh, get that ball security now undoubtedly every single year we get scares and mishaps and we see some players fall by the wayside so we're talking about the o-line and um, we're talking about you know, who, what's happening on that right side of the line, that there's two spots and three players and everything else. And that's even what... um Pete mentioned that in his article on the website when he talks about the O-line and all of the different sort of connotations there. And he breaks down what would happen if this player gets injured and this, you know, player comes in or what's the options. And it was a very astute thing to do because that's exactly what we see happening. Now, later on, it happens on the 20th of August. But the worst nightmare scenario for the 19th of August is that Adam's... Gets up injured, so he went for a ball. I think it was a uh, uh, Adrian Amos gets the interception, um, and Adams gets up and starts limping. So he's off. Now we don't see him coming back to practice till they hit Lambeau on the twenty second of August. Now they hit Lambeau on the twentieth as well. But these are one of these practices um at Lambeau that he he comes back in for. But what we do see is with uh, Adams is is that he gets injured now. And we go, well, here's our worst nightmare because now we need to depend on those guys behind him so we better be building up chemistry there. But what we see is he he does eventually come back in, spoiler alert, and the chemistry is ridiculous and they're smacking the defence around um, all camp. Hunter Bradley comes back today um, as the long snapper. So he was sort of in, showing the lads how to to go about through the paces to do a bit of snapping, but he's back. Uh, And David Bactiari and Corey Lindsley return as well for 11 on 11 reps Adrian Amos gets his interception, as I said. That's the one where uh, Devontae Adams goes off limping. Um, and Adrian Amos is is making a name for himself in this camp with the interceptions. Now, again, caveat, and I'll say this throughout the whole podcast, it's training camp. So, yes, we temper our expectations there. But Adrian Amos is one of those players that, you know, he doesn't really stand out throughout the season. Well, he didn't last season anyway. Uh, but he, I suppose that's a good thing, right, For because we've seen... You know, Jair Alexander turn WWE and start smacking people down. We see Tremont Williams getting burned. We see Darnell Savage um, getting caught out. But with Adrian Amos, we didn't see a whole lot last year about his name standing out for making big splash plays, but also for making massive mistakes. He's Mr. Dependable, but he seems to be around the ball a bit more, uh, which is fantastic. And uh, in this practice here, comes down with an interception. We see more going on with Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson is interesting for me because he's the guy who was sort of seen as this is his make or break year. But then when we look at the sort of stuff that's coming out from some official beat writers, they're saying, oh, he's doing really well and he's coming down with stuff the whole time. But if you look at Matt Schneidman's article on The Athletic, and I think it was only released today, he talks about that, yes, he's had positive plays and he always ends practice with a pass breakup, which is where I see it, you know, you always see like, oh, he ended, Um, actually in this one, he had a, a pair of past breakups uh, to end the session so he kind of leaves that flavor with you uh, but according to Match Neidman, he's making these plays but he's also getting badly burned as well where he's contesting it the whole way but then doesn't make a play on the ball and ends up giving it up and um, so there's no point in looking busy getting a few breakups but then when it comes down to a money play that you end up giving that up um, which isn't great so Rashawn Gary as well on the nineteenth of August, in this practice, he's you know starts to get noticed again. Uh, he comes in off the edge and forces a pressure and an incompletion. And there's a couple of times throughout camp where they say he would have got the sack had he been allowed. Um, another interesting thing that you see as well is is that uh Swerve and Irvin is being used all over the field. So Tyler Irvin is a guy who was brought in and rescued the Packers on special teams last year, and because it was an embarrassing sort of run as what we had it was historically bad it was the worst we'd ever done on returns so again Match Schneidman's article features him on kind of the up and coming players so he was saying you'd be surprised how they're going to use him as this kind of utility player but he's also still making a name for himself as a primary return specialist as well so keep an eye out for Tyler Irvin though I said that in the last podcast as well Um, and we see today that uh Lane Taylor stands out again Um, but Zadarius Smith is out at this stage, having been previously injured, but he's still hanging around the team um, and lending support. So as we truck on into uh, Lambo practice, it lasts an hour and 54 minutes, which is uh, longer, you know, about half an hour longer than the previous day. This is where uh, Ricky Wagner gets injured. So they ask Matt LaFleur about this and says, does that make your job a little bit easier now? You have three players for two positions. One of them is injured. Um, and he says, no, it makes it harder. And I'd understand that because they brought him in. They've paid him all that money. They're certainly not going to let him go. It wouldn't make sense. And you'd, you'd expect that they'd keep a player um, in reserve for the likes of injuries, which, you know, we're literally just discussing. But the sorry part about it is, is that, A, they haven't disclosed what that injury is. But from today onwards, he sits out uh, the whole time. So he's he's missed a ton of time. They don't have a lot of time. So it's going to be very hard for the Packers to make a decision on that. Also, Lane Taylor um, puts in a massive, solid performance on the 20th of August at this Lambeau practice. And he's been doing that in 1v1s as well. I I think I read somewhere, and I can't remember now, or I'm doing a disservice here, but he's won every single one-on-one that he's faced. You know, And he met with the media, and again, a really personable guy talks about his daughter and how he got to spend time with her. And this is a guy who took a pay cut to stay around Green Bay. Now, you would say took a pay cut to make the deal friendly so that he could get a trade. Um, But either way, this guy took a hit to his pocket to stick around and prove himself. Um, And that injury he had as well seemed pretty grisly. He said he basically had no bicep and he saw it sort of build up and up and up. So Adams is injured as of yesterday and he's still out on this practice comes back in the 22nd and Adrian Amos is out for personal reasons. Um, So it's the 20th of August that it's fairly run heavy and MVS has his best day. He has some comeback routes with Rogers, some crosses and a lot of the writers are talking about this guy. He's really building this nice chemistry there with Aaron Rogers and this is exactly what we need. And look, it makes sense as well, right? Devontae Adams is out. MVS gets more snaps um, and more targets and starts to build on that chemistry and Adams spoiler alert comes back in and absolutely dominates when he comes back so no harm no foul really that MVS gets an extra bit of attention um, and he starts to build that chemistry uh, D back and Lindsley are back in practice the same as Mercedes Lewis so Lewis the day before had a veteran off day and we see that happen again um, in the coming days where they're sort of trying to use his time sparingly and this is where the Packers were really good last year at not getting injured when LeFleur was asked about that by the media you know and you you tend to see coaches the Bears did it two years ago when they went on a good run Um, and all that hype came around Trubisky which made him then get that mug and have Packers tears on it and then go down into the basement and have to sign Nick Foles their training staff come out and said, oh, yeah, that was deliberate. We structured our practice time to make sure that that would happen. LeFleur was more humble with it and said, look, it is it is. luck, <laughs> is what it is. Um, you know. Um, But when you look at his practice times and you look at the way that they manage players, he's very confident in his system and he's very confident in that those players, even though they might sit out, that they're not going to be rusty and come back in. Now, we do see over these days that... You know, Jay Sternberger, I believe, drops a pass in the red zone. Mercedes Lewis drops a pass in the red zone. So, again, they do need to focus on their fundamentals. But, Mercedes Lewis, they're managing him with his age. Christian Kirksey pins his colours to the mast on the 20th of August in his practice. Um, really, you know, and it's no question, really, I would say solidifying that job. It's more who's going to come in with him at that inside linebacker position. Uh, but, Kirksey's certainly impressing, which is good, right? Because when you look at him, he was brought in to replace Blake Martinez. He's the tacked-on guy to do that role, and he seems to be impressing and, and getting into the backfield because that's what he's brought in for, as that kind of run-stop and specialist. Competitive one-on-ones in this practice between Alan Lazard and Jair Alexander, um, and apparently uh, Alan Lazard makes the play of the day uh, with a leaping catch and sort of pulls the ball away from Jair Alexander on a play. So good to see that the quarterbacks are taking that shot um, in those contested areas. And this is exactly what you want to see from Alan Lazard and Jair Alexander, two guys that are expected to do big things in the year upcoming. So to see them compete against each other and Alexander with that added confidence from Jerry Gray. And, you know, he's really bolstering those guys to see the field properly. We see Chan and Sullivan come out and talk about that Jerry Gray gives them the ability to see the field and the formations and make correct judgments and assessments pre-snap. So he's, and Alan Lazard's going up against Alexander, who put in a big year last year and since he's been in Green Bay, and he's contesting stuff and winning stuff. So that's exactly what you want to see. AJ Dillon, during his practice, is catching passes from Tim Boyle, working on his hands. That's something that LeFleur said that he wants him to do. And also the quarterbacks practiced their two-minute offense in this practice. Now we see sort of mixed bag stuff, you know, on both sides of the ball, the defense end up winning the two-minute drill when they come up against Aaron Rodgers. But LaFleur says that he's happy with that urgency. Uh, Lane Taylor, Elton Jenkins, Kingsley Kiki, all looking good today. And, you know, there was an awful lot of focus on the reporting of A.J. Dillon with the hands and stuff. But there's a couple of reports and a couple of tweets from some of the reporters talking about just how good Aaron Jones um, looked in practice and the fact that he's, he's leading uh, the field there which is to be expected uh, but again it's very easy when you focus on the young guys to forget about the sort of stalwarts out there that are still operating on a high level so smith today coaching some of the guys as well uh, which is really good to see but it's good to see that intensity uh, on the field the floor commented on that intensity and it's good to see mvs start stacking you know back-to-back days of impressing there as well and building up that rapport with aaron Rodgers, so the 22nd of august swings around um, and this is the lambo practice so they had a day off on the 21st so we see devontae adams back in pads so darius smith uh, is out there but still not in pads ricky wagner as he said is still injured and adrian amos is also out mercedes lewis sideline fades um just off the fingertips from aaron rogers uh, that's where kings or um, christian kirksey um, I was going to say Kingsley Kiki a lot of K's um, sees uh, busts into the backfield and gets to Jamal Williams which makes him stand out as well we see a couple of names pop up during practice that you know we haven't seen in a while or have sort of fell out of favour um, one of them being Dexter Williams and the other one being Shepard uh, and these guys are really seeing like they're on the bubble um, but we see some nice plays from these lads as well Devontae Adams he was injured and he comes back and him and Aaron Rodgers are you know, really going at it and they've got that chemistry going. Jerry Gray, I think this is the day that they come out and start talking about how just incredible that he is and what of a hands-on teacher he is. And that, I think it was Aaron Nagler pointed out that even when, you know, his players go out and make a good play on the ball and are successful, he's still over there and giving them, you know, an awful lot of chat and an awful lot of teaching there as well. So Jerry Gray, they said that This is a guy who just does not stop chatting and does not stop teaching and he's making an instant impact. MVS, again, nice catch from Aaron Rodgers. So again, building up that chemistry. So again, this is where they talk about, and I think it was the recap of the day or it was Insider Inbox, where they talk about that this is where he's just stacking success on success and they're doing really well. I think this is the practice as well that they thought was a bit sloppier. So the defense started to really get in the face of the offense and start to gel a bit more. And they start to get more penetration into the backfield. And um, yeah, I think one of the remarks is is that after how blisteringly that it's gone uh, before this point, uh, it certainly is a little bit sloppier on this day. So 23rd of August, which is the seventh practice for the Packers. Adrian Amos back practicing. Then we see sort of a bit of competition and a bit more liveliness with the linebackers and inside linebackers. Uh, in fact, we see Mercedes Lewis on another rest day and we see more sort of a really nice back and forth between um the offense and the defense. We see Lazard impressing uh, by snagging a touchdown. Devontae Adams is up to his old tricks. John Runyon, Runyon gets an honorable mention as well. So he's kind of come up the last couple of days and they talk about his grittiness and, you know, they go back to his father and the fact that his father had told him, you know, and his father was a pro bowler. And he was like, he only got there. And he was, again, late round pick. I think it was fourth round. And he talks about, like, if you want to make your name, you have to just work harder and grittier um, than everybody else. We have Aaron Rodgers banging out, no-look passes. Rashawn Gary and Kamal Martin uh, both standing out. Kamal Martin's an interesting one. So here's here's a guy who is a rookie, and he's apparently uh, tacked on to have a big role in the defense. So they thought that he'd come in you know, be a special team specialist or kind of a leader there, to be strong there. Uh, But he's really making a good run um, and he's surprising people. And I don't know what coach it was that said that he's taking it from the computer screen and he's putting that on the field. And the fact he's able to do that as a rookie is really surprising. This is where we see Devontae Adams make a big gain and he embarrasses Josh Jackson. So this is kind of, I guess, what Matt Schneidman's talking about when he talks about Josh Jackson and the fact that, yes, he's making big plays, but he also gets burned big too. So I think with him, let's temper the expectations and not get too carried away. Mason Crosby, Mr. Dependable. Uh, This is a guy who said he's kicking the ball better than anybody else. And again, his interviews are always solid. Uh, If you're going to watch one interview, I'd say go back and watch Mason Crosby. He's always really honest. And just the stuff that he went through last year, the fact that he faced a kicking competition with Sam Ficken. And he was dealing with all of that stuff with, you know, his family, like the fact that there was, uh, we all know the story. I don't want to get into it and sort of um, uh, have this big, long protracted thing about it. But the, the stuff that he had to suffer was unbelievable. So he talks about discussing with his wife and, you know, whether he would go back or not. And he actually gets COVID um, and he decides to, he isolates and does all that stuff. His symptoms aren't really that bad. And then he comes back and he's kicking better than ever. Um, so again, Mr. Dependable. An interesting thing at the end of this practice is the fact that LeFleur, and we see this happen again, he allows live tackling with the younger fellas. We also see the fact that Love gets control of the offense and takes every snap during this period. And we see Dylan getting knocked on his arse as well with that live tackling. Um, Ty Summers comes in and, you know, gives the honours. So it's good to see that sort of fiery competitiveness. And the fact that although it seems that his modus operandi is to, you know, protect players and give Mercedes Lewis his rest days and all this good stuff and really try and manage those injuries. The fact that he's live tackling goes to show that, and I guess the rationale is that they've no preseason to do it it. So they might as well do it against each other, uh, which is the case. And love getting his chance as well to grip it and rip it in the practice with Tim Boyle standing on the sidelines and not getting any anything involved. So the eighth practice then, which was on the 24th, this was the short practice that we don't really see a whole lot going on. We see J.K. Scott doing well. We see Zadari Smith and Jair Alexander return to practice. Again, it was a non-padded practice. So they're kind of just working through it at a sort of leisurely enough pace. So they still have their 11-on-11, 11 11, uh, but it's it's fairly, you know, tepid stuff. So, yeah, there's nothing really to report there. So, again, yesterday, the 25th of August, this practice lasted two hours and 17 minutes and was back at Lambeau Field. We see Z and Jair back. Uh, Ricky Wagner is there, uh, but he's not practicing. He's still injured, so he wasn't in pads. So he's missed a lot of days. And I know I said this earlier in the podcast when LaFleur was asked, does that make it easier? He said, no, it actually makes it harder because, you know, now they can't evaluate him if he's not playing. This is another practice that we see Lane Taylor come up against Kenny Clark in one on ones. And he beats him both times. Lane Taylor absolutely playing a blinder and giving LaFleur headaches for sure. Rashawn Gary performing well this practice. We see Lazard, Adams, MVS and kumaro coming up with some nice plays from Aaron Rodgers and the boys. J.K. Scott out there punting well, trying to build on his performance from um, last season. Kamal Martin again making plays and making a name for himself. Uh, The thing that I liked about this, though, that stood out to me was there was a tweet, I think, from Wes Hotquits where Rodgers underthrows MVS who was open um, in the end zone, surefire touchdown. And he goes over to MVS and gives him a fist bump and says, look, that's my bad. And it's nice to see him with a bit of humility that way. Although he's been on point throughout sort of all of these practices that have went through, they end the two, with a two-minute drill for the veterans and he's just not on the same page with the receivers at all. And it ends with the defense winning. Um, Kirksey and Amos coming down with some near picks. And then the young lads finish off the practice as they tend to do, um, and this time they're doing some live tackling. So we see some, you know, Jordan Love passes to Sternberger and him getting brought down um, fairly hard. So, yeah, they're not afraid to put the young lads out there and let them hit against each other. So all in all, what are we seeing from this camp? Well, we're seeing Kamal Martin make a big name for himself. We're seeing a slim down Rashawn Sean Gary, you know, actually performing. Again, I'll say it, caveat, it's training camp. We see some of the veterans getting injured. Wagner giving LaFleur a headache because they have to make that the decision on the O-line. Zee Smith getting injured, but staying around the team, staying motivated and keeping those lads going with some, you know, little tips and tricks there. Adrian Amos out, but then coming back. We see Devontae Adams out, but coming back and performing well. We see a good interview from... You know Mason Crosby, him talking about his personal life, talking about the fact that he did have COVID. He comes back after that ten day period and is kicking better than ever. We see pre- practically everything going over, and uh, for him, and it's going to be amazing to see him build on that legacy. He's already the all time leading point scorer, and there was a lovely helmet that has since sold from the nineteen nineteen shop. That I brought in and it it said on the inscription, all-time leading score, just what a piece. And if you want to pick up some signed merch, uh, you can do that with the 1919 Club and Shop. Again, usually the items are only brought in kind of one piece um, at a time. There's some nice stuff on there like a Kenny Clark jersey. There's a Lane Taylor jersey actually there for a really good price. And it really looks like that he's going to um, make a strong impression on the season as he has done in training camp as well. Um, which is good and of course you can support us on patreon with patreon.com forward slash uk packers and you can be put into that 1919 uh, raffle that happens at the start of every month and so if you go on to the shop you can see the stuff that i will be doing the raffle on it's usually a jersey and a picture but like i promised on one of the youtube videos which is youtube.com forward slash uk packers and i said that i will hopefully try to do a draw with two jerseys which would just be a dynamite uh, prize um, so yeah look uh, it was great running for that it's great to have Packers football back and have all the content going uh keep it here for your sort of rundown on everything that happens um in training camp and Packers uh, before we hit the season and hopefully you know we can get a good few games under the belt before any sort of hairiness comes in um and all that good stuff and of course you can get onto Facebook Twitter and Instagram and of course you can follow me at NFL on Twitter as well and the Paddy Packer so racist um on instagram too if you're so inclined and the youtube videos as i say every week um as the material starts to gather up then i'll be able to release more of those and there's usually a 10 minute tuesday but i might change that format slightly in the coming weeks but anyway there it is thanks for tuning in guys for this week if you like the show be sure to uh, hit me up on the social media channels and let me know but until then it's a go pack go